This week on Invasion of the Podcast, we continue the year of the sequel with 1997's Vegas Vacation. Is it a jackpot or a bust? Coming this summer. Oh, no. Disaster. It's in theaters now. That can only mean one thing. Doggone it, you're right. Mm -hmm. It looks like they've ordered a sequel. (laughs) Now, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, the legend continues. What's it called? It's called, uh... Robocop 2. Uh... Clerks 2. It's called... The Invasion of the Podcast. Part 2. And that's when things got knocked into 12 years. The year of the sequel. Too risky. Sequels are almost always disappointing. And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. My name is Paul, and, and somewhere out there, begrudgingly, is Steve. Hello, everyone. I've got a gigantic bush light right here in front of me. I'm wearing the shortest shorts I can possibly wear, and I'm ready to talk some Vegas vacation. See, I figured at least you'd um, identify with uh, you know, with Randy Quaid a whole lot in the movie. You know, I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> I mean, you did tell me that in the process of moving from where you were to where you are now, you did have to like keep digging for like various amounts of dollars in your yard that you'd hidden over time. Um, so <laughs> and I just kept finding dog poop. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah. So we're going to be talking about Vegas vacation uh, in a minute. Uh, so before we get to that, let's just get to our weekends. Uh, did you get into any uh, weekend activity? I had a couple things that I wanted to recommend. Um, the first one is uh, we watched uh, all of nothing. Or I'm sorry, only murders in the building. Oh, Have the Hulu series. Show? Yeah, yeah, with uh, yeah. Steve Martin, Martin Short, Short Martin, and Steve Short. Yes, and uh, also uh, Selena Gomez, who. Me being the old man I am, I've heard her name before, but I have no idea what she's. I've never seen her in a movie. I believe she's also a singer, but I was like, <laughs> yes, like I know that, that is. I think she was one of those Disney stars that became a singer. But yes, she's mainly known as a, as a singer at this point. I think at one point she dated Justin Bieber. That's yep. probably my only knowledge of hers. So uh, going into this, uh, I wouldn't say that I had a a disparaging view of her or, you know, one where I was, you know, like for instance, I didn't think of her in the same way as I would like a Paris Hilton, but I was like, I really know nothing about her. And if the only thing I know is, is that she at one point dated Justin Bieber, it's probably not going to bode well for the show, but she's really good in the show. Um, Steve Martin. uh, It's probably the funniest thing I've seen him do in. Then I had to go to his IMDb to be like, what's the last time I actually enjoyed Steve Martin in something. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was the 90s. So, uh, (laughs) fair enough. uh, I mean, he was in 30 Rock for an episode or so, and he was really funny there, but yeah. Okay. So I'm not including like an episode. I was thinking of like a movie or a series or something along those lines. I wasn't thinking like a guest appearance. So, yes, you are right. He was funny. And he also did a bit on The Simpsons in one episode. So I didn't include that either. But I was just trying to think of like, when was the last time I really enjoyed Steve Martin in something? And both he and Martin Short are really funny in the show. Uh, I I think Tina Fey, I didn't look to see if she did any of the writing or if it's from her production company, but she's also in it. Um, she's a minor character in it, but she's kind of also a big character in it at the same time. She's not in every episode, but 
it's it's enough for you to go like oh tina fey uh so i would highly recommend it it's a lot of fun it's really well written um there's so many little jokes in it too that i really enjoyed like for instance martin short's character only eats dips he's like i'm at the age now where i only eat dips and like every scene that they get food he's just always eating like a dip um like he never eats like a, a a full meal um there's a lot of funny stuff in the show uh particularly steve martin who's playing a uh former like tv actor from like a law and order type series and his character's name is Brasso. So everybody never calls him by his name. They just always call him Brasso. It, it's a really funny show. Uh, really well done. And I would say that it's a breezy watch. Uh, there are 10 episodes. I think they're only a half hour long. Maybe 40 minutes at the most. You you can easily knock it out in a day and, and not realize it. Because we were watch- we started, I think, Friday night. And by Saturday, we were done. It was one of those things where it was like, well, there's only two episodes left. Let's just keep going. And... Uh, I think it's uh, – well, I already said I think it's the funniest thing I've seen Steve Martin do in a long time. But it's also something that I did not expect to enjoy. Um, and not that I had anything against it, but it was just like, oh, I haven't seen Steve Martin or Martin Short do anything that I've really enjoyed in a very long time. And I have no idea who Selena Gomez really is. So let's put this show on, see what it is. But, yeah, it's quite enjoyable. Okay. Yeah, I've been – like, it's on my radar. Like, I was ex- – like – I, I do enjoy Steve Martin a great deal. Um, and, and, and Martin short too. like, it, it depends. Like I know he is like, you know, he's one of the, like, you know, he's very important to, to comedy and like what he's done and, and who he is. And it's just that, but I'm, your mileage may vary depending upon some of his things, you know? So, um, like just, just because he's involved, that does, that's not automatic sell. Steve Martin usually will do it. And the notion that it's kind of dealing with like true crime podcasting stuff like that too. Like I, yeah, I've heard nothing but wonderful things about it. So, like, um, yeah, uh, now that I might have a little bit more free time after kind of everything that, you know, we'll talk about my weekend in a second. Yeah, you know, hopefully I'll get to that. So that sounds like a lot of fun. Okay. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention was uh, I bought a documentary on Voodoo uh, called Cleaning Up the Town. Cleaning Up the Town is a Ghostbusters documentary uh, that... I feel like I learned about it sometime before the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, and I don't know why it took them so long to release it, but I, I, I think they did like either an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter or some sort of fundraising for it at one point. Um, but when I say that, I'm talking like five, maybe six years ago at this point that it first fell on my radar. And it obviously just came out to tie into... Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which comes out tomorrow, or in this case today, um, since this will be released on Thursday. Uh, But it did also make me think, um, and this is, again, not uh, spoiling anything about the film that we're going to be watching, is uh, one, Ghostbusters 2 had been suggested to us by somebody like months ago when we decided to do, or the beginning of the year, when we decided to do Year of the Sequel. And I was like, oh yeah, we should slot that for November before Afterlife comes out. Why that didn't occur to me when we were talking about, what are we going to do this month? I don't know, because I actually uh, have talked about, I think previously on the show, that Ghostbusters 2 was a movie that I didn't really start to appreciate until uh, Harold Ramis passed away. And uh, it's a movie that 
it's not nearly as good as the original, but there's enough there that I like that I think it would have been an interesting conversation. So I'm like, oh, why didn't we talk about that? But yeah, going that back to probably would have been better time to write. I just did. Yes. But because the, they pushed it, back it, it the release of that. To me. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, well, because he keep pushing the release because of COVID and things. So I didn't even think about it. So that's that's what happened. You know, so. Yeah. Well, going back to the documentary, I will say I'm not knowledgeable. OK, so I'm fairly knowledgeable about a lot of things, but probably nothing to even call myself an expert, you know. Clearly, uh, if people listen to last week's episode, maybe Dune, maybe that's the one thing that I'm really an expert on. But we said everything. That. We said every one of those Dune words right. Um, <laughs> the, you know, um, what was it? Uh, we like I, I. Well, the name Paul, I should be able to say right. So we got Atreides, uh, Harkonnen thing, I, like like Harukin or whatever, um, Hadouken. And then um, was it Blinnerhassett Island? I think was what. No, anyway, no. We said all of it right. Thousand Island Dressing, whatever it was that they were doing. <laughs> did I get the director's name right? Did I, did I at least uh, follow in uh, Eldora's footsteps, or did I screw that up too? I mean, I, I'll have I to think, ask him. I think that um, you know, <laughs> considering like you know how wonderful of a show he does, and we'll talk more about that in a second. I think that I think the name Talk Without Rhythm applies to us way more, right? Yeah, um, because. You know, good luck anybody that listens to us for any amount of time, like because like we're all over the place. They're like you know we would never attract a worm or a listener. That's that's where like you know so we have listeners. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah yeah. Sorry. But uh, going back to the documentary, um, I was you know there are things that I think I know a lot about, but I certainly wouldn't call myself an expert. Uh, particularly, you know, horror movies. Uh, we sat down years ago and played horror movie trivia. I came in last. Um, <laughs> if there's a Star Wars trivia, something's going to always trip me up. Like, my wife is always like, I'm counting on you for this. And then it'll be a question that I either have no idea what the answer is or I'll misremember something and give her the wrong answer, which has happened on more than one occasion. But th there aren't, you know, even comic books, like, I think I, I know a lot, but... There's nothing that I can call myself an expert in the field, but I do feel like I know a certain amount about a lot of things. For instance, Ghostbusters is a movie that is probably in my top five all-time favorite movies. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I Every time I watch it, I either find something new or I find myself just as entertained as I was you know, in 1984. Uh, so with that in mind, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to get out of this documentary. And I actually learned things from the documentary that I did not know. And um, they're really exhaustive in the way they talk about. Uh, well, OK, so there's there's interviews. Obviously, there's one big person missing from the interviews, and that would be uh, Bill Murray. Um, and it was filmed before Harold Ramis passed. So there's I, it's not archival footage of him. I mean, technically, I suppose it is now, but it's not like, oh, here's him talking from a talk show you know, 20 years ago, or here's him, you know, on an extra on a DVD. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure they sat down with him and interviewed him. Uh, but I would say that if you're somebody who is interested in Ghostbusters and you want to know more about, uh, that first film, because that's the other thing that's interesting is, is that I think the documentary was intended to be both Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters two. Um, but they only released Ghostbusters, which that part of the documentary is at least two hours. So I'm wondering if there will be a second half released at some point um, with all the Ghostbusters 2 stuff in it. But it's 10 bucks on Voodoo. 
Uh, if you are a Ghostbusters fan and you want to know a little bit more about the making of it, uh, I think there's some really fascinating, interesting stuff in there. So uh, those are the two things that I took in recently. And it is weird that we've gotten to a place where I no longer mention like that I've done anything. It's just that I watched something. <laughs> like I, I, I guess in Fair a couple enough. of weeks, yeah. you and I will be hanging out for a weekend. So we'll, we'll get to talk about that and actually have things to talk about. But a good chunk of that will be us watching things. So that's fair. Yeah. Who so knows? we'll talk about how we went to a place and saw a thing, as yeah. opposed to just what we saw. So that's fair. So that that was your weekend. Yeah, that was my my weekend in a nutshell. Uh, I did try to unpack more of my office, uh, and that went poorly. Mm. Um, it's just every time I open up a new box, my my office just becomes more and more cluttered. It's like. It's like the more I open, the more my office becomes disorganized. I, I'm trying to contain it. It's 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 like somebody spilled like a giant. I, I was gonna say tub, but not even a tub. It's like somebody just came in and just knocked over boxes in my office at this point, and they're all randomly opened, and there's crap everywhere. I have too much stuff, and I I thought I did a fair, with the exception of like books and media and things like that. I thought I'd done a fair job of really deciding what I needed and what I didn't. And that is clearly not the case. <laughs> I'm, I'm finding things like, why did I bring this? Like this could have gone easily in the trash. So, but I can't throw it away yeah. now. No. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it made the, it made, the, it made the trip from, from Elyria to Port Clinton. I must keep it now. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So, uh, that, like, it sounds like that some cool stuff that you watched my weekend, uh, was, was, was a little busy and I'll get to that in, um, in a second. All right. So, uh, yeah, my weekend was, uh, uh, so I went on talk without rhythm, which we just mentioned, which should be the name of our show. Like I said, uh, to, cause I was invited on uh, by the, the Mr. Uh, the, the, the Mr. The El Goro, uh, cause he's doing his, uh, Noir Vember. Um, and I know where we're talking about, cause Steve is going to be next man up on that too. And we'll get to, to that at the end of the episode. Um, so I was talking about, um, some Alfred Hitchcock films. We talked about, uh, shadow of a doubt and, um, I confess, which were two films of his I had not yet seen. So that puts me at like 14 or 15 for the year of like watching Hitchcock and talking about it. So these were noir adjacent. So that happened. Um, and it was a wonderful discussion. If you guys want to go check that out, it, I, I already shared it on the Facebook page, but if you've not, if you've not seen that, cause I know Facebook is weird about like showing people things unless it's hate speech. I don't know. But, um, episode 595, uh, go, go check that out. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we did get a ribbing about how we pronounce Dune words. So, uh, just be ready, Steve. So after that, um, there was, uh, an AEW, um, a pay-per-view full gear. Uh, and, uh, so it from like wonderful conversations about noir films and just a straight up watching wrestling. And it was a hell of a show. It was a lot of fun. And then Sunday I, um, I did jack shit and I watched, uh, I watched Vegas vacation and then, uh, the Browns game, which I wish I didn't. And that was my weekend. Um, so I didn't really get to anything else cause I just kind of wanted to just to like, I like, when you podcast, like Steve, I don't know if like when you, I don't know if you know this or not. This is an inside baseball here. Um, there's just a time where you consume so much media and content that you try to process and present in a, like a meaningful way. That there's just I just have these moments of like I don't want any I don't like just people leave me alone. I'm just going to like completely zone out. You know, I so say I played a bunch of Overwatch, watched football, and just kind of just existed for a minute before like kind of starting up again. Cause I just need those like downtimes, 
but it was a really fun Saturday and it was a nice, um, you know, except for the, the Browns completely like, you know, not falling on their keys, but somehow stepping into a bucket and then falling down the steps and then stepping into another bucket repeatedly. And then a bucket landed on their head. I don't know how that happened. It was, it was a, it was a pretty fun weekend in terms of just like, you know, uh, podcasting and wrestling. So which was funnier, the Browns game or Vegas vacation? I'm going to guess the Browns game. No, no, not at all. Um, cause I, I, it's not, it wasn't, a, it, it was a tragedy, not a comedy. Um, and after a while you have to laugh because all you can do is laugh or cry, you know? So, and I'm going to argue, like, we're going to fight about this, Steve. We're going to have a little bit of a fight about Vegas vacation. We'll just, we'll get there. This is going to be the last episode Steve and I do together. This is going to be the straw <laughs> that breaks the camel's back. <laughs> yes. As I felt very unqualified to talk about dude last week, I am very qualified to talk about just, Vegas vacation. Just think about like, like, so yeah, cause so at the end of the talk about rhythm episode, uh, I was like, well, you know, talk about like what you're doing next. I was like, well, after we just had that discussion about dude, we're moving on to Vegas vacation. <laughs> Like, how do you like, I mean, I guess both are about cities out in the desert, you know, but, um, you know, and I it just, it was one of those things to talk about, like, like, like a tonal whiplash and then in between like, you know, getting into some Hitchcock films and like trying to get into noir. It's like, I like, it's like going to like, I don't know, like a Vegas buffet where it's like, you have all these different like flavors to sample, but like sometimes in the order that you eat them in can really affect how you feel about the next thing, you know? So <laughs> Um, that's my analogy. So it's been a little, and then, and then also on the next episode of strange highways, we're covering the devil's reign, which is from the seventies. It's a, um, it's a film, uh, Steve, I don't know if you've seen it or not. It's on shutter. I've never seen it. Yeah, I, I, um, I need to sit down and watch it. Um, it's going to be a discussion. Uh, Cause it, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of interesting in there, but at the same time, there's a lot of like, huh? going on in that too. So it's, been, it was like, you know, it's been, it's been a weird ride, you know? So, whatever. I, I, I never begrudge. I never, I'm never upset about like going from one thing to the next. If that means I get to have wonderful conversations with people I care about, but you know, the menu has been a little varied and, and, and sometimes that is good, but sometimes it's also like, I just got done digesting this. You're asking me to eat what now? And, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of well, what there's happened. Also that thing of, of being in the right headspace to watch certain things, you know, uh, when we were putting together last month's episodes, you know, you'd mentioned the evil dead remake. And I was like, that's a movie that I feel like I really kind of need to be in a good place to sit down and watch. And I just wasn't, um, not because I think it's like a terrible movie or anything like that, but it's just, it's a movie that I was like, I, there's no joy in that movie. And I just was not in a place to sit down and watch that. Yeah, um, that's fair. So sometimes it's hard to pivot from, you know, goofy comedy set in Las Vegas to Alfred Hitchcock, you know, double feature. So yeah, it can be, it can be tough to try and, and, and navigate those waters between different things. Doesn't mean that you don't enjoy different genres and in different periods of film. It just, sometimes it's, it's a hard right when, you know, you're expecting more of the same or not more of the same, but you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I said Sunday morning. I watched, uh, I watched Vegas vacation after having like that full, full day of, of like talking about Hitchcock and then wrestling. Um, not, not in the same time, but you know, it sounds like I had a, that's the podcast, just Hitchcock and wrestling just mixed together. No. Um, but, um, no, it was like, it was a very fun full day, but it was, a, this was my, like my, uh, my pressure valve. I'm like, I know that I'm, I, I'm not to expect much from this. It's Sunday morning. 
let, let's just go ahead and do this. So that's kind of where I was. So my weekend was very busy and then it wasn't because by choice. So it was very, uh, start stop. So everything that I just heard was, is a Vegas vacation ruined your Sunday and it made the Browns lose. No, very good. not at all. Nope. No, not at all. Uh, I would yep, say that, that's, um, that's exactly what said, I think I just it heard. It left me in a good spot hoping that maybe the rest of the day would be good too. So that's what I, that's what I'd say about that. Um, oh, see, so you're like, <laughs> it can't be any worse than Vegas vacation. Oh, so, all right. So Steve told me spoilers, uh, that, um, that, you know, he, like he is not, he, he didn't, We'll get into the movie, but like, yeah, he's like, this is going to be a very short episode. So I, I, I have to find ways to make this three hours long. I'm kidding. Um, but so, um, let's, let's, let's just do, I know this is normally what we do for like our, our year ofs, but, um, there's been some stuff that's happened, uh, as of yesterday that we need to talk about real quickly. And then, um, then we'll get into our discussion about uh, Vegas vacation. So I want to do this. everyone steve you've seen the new far from home or sorry no way home trailer right the new spider-man trailer i thought we were going to talk about potatoes oh well no? shit okay we can talk you don't about have potatoes. a new potato segment no i, I don't have i don't have any potato talk yet but i also i do have another um i do have a, a fun weird story i just found before we started recording that is not from new zealand but it is from um I think it's from Australia. So, um, no, actually, you know what? It's in New Zealand. We're going to keep the New Zealand streak going on here in a second. But, all right. Um, all right. So, yeah, No Way Home. Yes, I've seen the new No Way Home trailer. Yeah, and I know we don't normally do, like, trailer reactions, but, uh, yeah, I um, like I was already on board. I'm, I'm going to watch this movie, but uh, I, I kind of like, um, I feel like they're actually giving, like, Alfred Molina a little bit more to do. In the sense of as opposed to just being like, I'm here, I'm here to fight. Like, I'm kind of interested to see where this movie goes. I'm very interested to see how they're going to handle the villains, particularly Doc Ock is the one they're giving the most screen time to. And I think that that makes sense because he's in the best of the non uh, Tom Holland mm-hmm. Spider-Man movies. Uh, so that that makes sense. And, and you know. As much as I love Willem Dafoe as Harry Osborn and uh, um, and the Green Goblin, that suit does, is not conducive to an actor. Uh, unfortunately, that's the one downside to that first Green Goblin in uh, the first Spider-Man movie. That it's it's not really actor friendly because it's a frozen face uh, on top of like a Power Rangers type suit. It works in the movie. It's okay, but it. It, it's if you've got Willem Dafoe, you want to see his face as much as possible. Just paint it green uh, and put a purple hat on. You got the goblin. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then obviously, you know, they retooled uh, Electro, which I, I think is interesting. Now, granted, I still did not. I, I still have not seen the second Andrew Garfield movie and neither is my dog. He's very, <laughs> yeah. The, well, he's very vocal. He about has very, that, he so. has very strong opinions about Jamie Foxx as Electro and the amazing <laughs> Spider-Man too. But I know that he looked just essentially blue in that movie from what I'd seen in the trailers and my memories of it. Um, he would just look like pure electricity. If I remember correctly here, yeah. he looks much more, and it's not like a comics accurate suit because that suit, come on, let's be honest, he's wearing a giant star on his head. But the way the electricity is going around him, it creates that star almost. And it's interesting visually. Uh, and then I thought Sandman was an odd choice. Uh, but again, what do I know? Uh, to be fair, it's just a ghost 
sand cloud. Uh, so I shouldn't say ghost, but like it's just a giant sand cloud, at least in this trailer. Well, you see a face. There's a brief bit in there where you see Electro, Sandman, and the Lizard all together. Like, and you see yes. the face of the Sandman. But is it is it uh, is it meant to be um, Thomas Chayden Church? I don't like, know. It, or, like, okay, like, but we'll see. I mean, but at least we know that, like, it it's it's a it's a Sandman. <laughs> so I guess I guess the roundabout point that I'm trying to make is is that like it would make sense to me that if you're going to pick of those previous characters and actors to have one of them be the central villain or at least the centerpiece of who you're going to use, Doc Ock makes the the most sense. No, and I think it's great because he was actually I think he's the most nuanced of all of them so far. You know, and I, and I was thinking about this today too. Um, that. Um, I was worried um, that it's like, oh, they might be bringing too much in all at once. And we'll see, because I know like you know, sometimes movies collapse under like more, 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 more. See Spider-Man 3. But um, I think because all of these uh, bad guys that are coming in that we've seen so far have at least had a debut in another film, there's at least like a little bit of like, regard- I mean, I know Jamie Foxx looks different, but Electro exists, you know, so... And, and however those characters were handled there, since this is the multiverse, they get a chance to like, you know, kind of like change them a little bit. So at least I think that gives people a little bit more grounding than say like, I don't know, justice league where you just throw everybody in there. I do think it's smart to bring in other villains that the audiences already know. You don't have to explain who they are. Uh, and admittedly it was obvious that they were the versions from the other films with the exception again of the Jamie, Jamie Foxx, uh, electro because when we see when, when he actually sees Peter Parker, you know, doc Ock is like, you're not Peter Parker. I thought that that was, that was smart. And I think that it's a good way to bring in a lot of villains and not have to do a lot of exposition on who they are. Uh, all you have to know is, is they ended up in this Peter Parker's, uh, universe. Yeah. And I like that. Um, like you, you, there's that bit in the trailer too, about like all these villains died fighting Spider-Man, you know, it's like, okay. So like, they, it's like, they're already like, I know we talked about the idea of variants and like Loki and things, or I should say they discussed it. Like this is going to be interesting. And like, also there's a, a very much a lack of Paul Giamatti as the rhino. I'm kidding. We don't need that at all in this. Well, I, I like Paul Giamatti. Uh, again, uh, the only part of Amazing Spider-Man 2 that I have seen uh, is the fight with the rhino, only because uh, when I worked at a certain cellular company, Verizon, uh, they had a tablet. It was a Sony tablet that played 10 minutes of Spider-Man 2 on a loop. Oh, gosh. Every day. Over and over and over again. I can see why you never want to watch those movies. I can can understand Uh, that. So I saw that fight with the rhino probably at least a hundred times and not by choice. So So, what you're saying is that are you really upset that you're not seeing Paul Giamatti as the rhino? I actually really like Paul Giamatti. And I actually thought the, the idea of him, instead of being in a rhino costume, having like a giant mechanical suit that's essentially just a, you know, loader from Alien. I was like, oh, that makes sense. I, I, I don't mind that. Like, it wasn't I didn't either. It just, I, I just felt like they did. Like, I felt like they yeah. just, you know, didn't and do I don't know how it. much more he is in the movie, but it, it seemed very much like he's just there for the fight and then done. That's well, that's pretty much it. You're right. So like, which I know I, I think it'd be fun with some of these films where if you had like the James Bond intro where you had um, Spider-Man fighting like a villain, you know, like, a, like, and I think we talked about this before, how people were petitioning to have uh, Larry David as the vulture. 
in one of the films at the very beginning. I don't want to take us off topic here real quick, but yeah. I just want to say uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm returned uh, last month uh, for its new season. And it's still amazing and funny. But the episode they did this past week, one of the funniest things I've seen in a very long time. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to talk about it. And I know you're like, I've never seen Curb. And no, I, I have. I just, episodes. I'm so far behind. Like, I went, right. to, I went to go start season one and I did enjoy what I saw. And it's like, it's really funny to go back and be like, Larry looks real young there when he already looked like the oldest man in the world right. already. And, you know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, there is a, there is a uh, Spider-Man tie in here because J.B. Smoove is on the show and he's also in Spider-Man. So there there's at least that. But uh I, I just wanted to mention that real quick. Uh, yeah. That was I forgot to mention that. Well, Woody Harrelson's in the episode, so you got Carnage in there too. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, it's a double whammy. Yeah. So speaking of that, though, yes. I have not seen Venom. Uh, there will be Carnage, um, and I don't believe you have either. No. But the new rumor that I'm seeing is is that you know we get five villains in this trailer, and we all know that Spider Man usually fights a sinister six, not a sinister five. The rumor that I saw today, and I guess there's sort of some sort of connection to what happens in let there be carnage. Uh, and again, I don't know. I didn't go any further cause I haven't seen the movie and I didn't want to spoil anything for myself for a movie that I, I'm like, Oh, I don't even know if I'll see it. But for some reason I'm like, I don't want to ruin the spoiler of it. But <laughs> the rumor now is, is that, uh, that sixth villain is going to be Tom Hardy as venom. I that could be complete BS. I don't know. Yeah, I don't but know. I thought that was an interesting idea that, you know, they've been wanting to get those two together and this would be a good way to do it. I mean, considering that they've been positioning Venom as more of like, you know, like uh like an anti-hero, like like a vigilante, like, you know, that's I don't know how it's going to work. I I know there's a spoiler at the end of um let there be carnage that that hence towards no way home. But you know, whatever that is. So, uh, but I, 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 you got, you got a vulture out there. You got, um, you got a tool for grace as a venom out there. You have, um, you know, well, I think the problem with the vulture is, is you've got, got to have Michael Keaton and maybe he filmed something and we don't know about it, but I, I, I feel like he was too busy putting the cowl and the cape back on. Maybe I could that's, be wrong. that's fair. Um, but you although know, that film also did film way after this. So I, I, you know, yeah, I mean, who I'm knows? Probably wrong. Right? I mean, uh, but that should it, be our tagline. Probably wrong. I'm probably wrong. I'm probably wrong. So we'll see. I don't know. Like, I also think there's a bit in the trailer too that I don't know how they're going to pull this off. But I thought for a second I saw James Franco as the other goblin for a half second because there's somebody coming on a glider that's not wearing a um, a goofy mask. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't mind the goblin design for what it is. And it actually kind of works in this trailer because now that like Marvel's leaned into like more of like the techie shiny side of things, like, you know, it doesn't look, it doesn't look that far out of place for me, but I, I mean, it looks like I'm seeing goblin junior there for a second too. So I don't know. Yeah, I, that's very possible. Um, have they explored hobgoblin in any of the film? I mean, no. obviously I know they don't need the Raimi's and they, I didn't see, Amazing well, too. Considering that, like, they, like in the new movies, uh, Ned is like his best bud, and he's supposed to become the Hobgoblin. There's like, you know, they, I mean, you could subvert things, right, and do whatever you want. I don't care. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to turn Ned into the Hobgoblin. 
<laughs> that would be funny though. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, he's like, I was the dude in the chair. Now I'm your mortal enemy, you know, whatever, <laughs> um, you know, uh, so we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I just, I'm excited for the trailer. Um, I, I'm excited for the film. I'm going to, I'm going to have to probably, um, fake my own death one day to go like to try to go watch it like in the early morning without anybody near me or whatever. We'll figure it out. Maybe, maybe our Christmas present to all of ourselves is like dip in, throw in some money and rent a theater and just go watch it without anybody else. You know, are they still doing well? I, I, I don't know, just... but maybe we could figure it out because it's for Spider-Man's, you know, maybe okay. we'll figure it out. But anyway, so here's Steve. I got some news for you here uh, just to, to make you feel better about this episode before we talk about Vegas vacation. Here's the headline. A New Zealand woman was held hostage in her home by an angry possum named Mrs. Scobie Lunchbox. Wow, there's a lot of words in that sentence yes. that I'm trying to make sense out of. Yeah, uh, this is like this is re- like I'm sure this is other report elsewise, but this is what the AV Club says. Uh, we can't control how those uh, we care for grow up, no matter how hard we try. Take for example a rescued possum named Mrs. Scobie Lunchbox that was taken in by a human after the death of its mother, given every opportunity to succeed in the world, and ended up holding a woman hostage in her home last week anyway. <laughs> Mrs. Scobie lunchbox became infamous after arriving at a house in uh, Dundee uh, or Dundee. There you go. Dune. All right. New Zealand last Sunday to terrorize a hapless resident, the anonymous woman who suffered the wrath of Ms. Lunchbox or Mrs. Lunchbox uh, uh, said that she was unloading her car around 11 PM last Sunday when she heard a rustling near her house. And she's like, I thought that was weird as I was taking stuff from the back seat. Something ran up my leg. I pulled it off me thinking it was a cat. And then I saw it was a possum. This was not just any possum, but Miss, but Mrs. Scobie lunchbox herself. <laughs> oh no. Uh, Mrs. Sco- Mrs. Lunchbox fired up by some unknowable possum fury kept on charging at the woman until she th- retreated indoors. Even then, every time the possum saw her through the glass door, it ran at the glass. Uh, after trying to get help from local animal control, uh, she was redirected to uh, Dundee Central Police Station and explained that she was being held hostage by a possum. (laughs) 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 The responding officer arrived and Mrs. Lunchbox shifted attention to him, climbing up his body until the cop could stun the possum with his flashlight and trap her in a box with some dried pet food. She was then released to the nature reserve. Um, so a, a local paper reports that Mrs. Scobie lunchbox temporarily given the alias of the black roads ripper for the street and haunted <laughs> has been cared for by a local woman who said she ended up with the animal after she was passed off to her by a possum trapper friend who had trapped and killed Mrs. Scobie lunchbox's mother, but could not bring himself to kill the baby possum. <laughs> like, so what? yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, that's really odd. You know, I mean, if you're going to do it, just, you know, don't leave the kid motherless. Yeah. Right. So for a while, Mrs. Scobie was kept in the trapper's lunchbox next to his sandwiches. I just like a monster there. I just realized, sorry. No, I mean, I understand what you're saying. And, uh, and his backpack while he kept working, uh, she eventually ended up with her last caretaker who planned to look after her until she was big enough to be set free. This woman, uh, her understanding, understandably wanting to defend her precious child's actions, saw her possum uh, is quite friendly with humans since the climbing up the leg situation, but her claws were trimmed. She now hopes to find Mrs. Lunchbox at the nature reserve so she can be spayed before being released again. Hopefully this all works out for Mrs. Scobie lunchbox and has given a second chance to prove to the rest that she is indeed quite friendly and not a cold hearted local menace after all. So there we go. Another New Zealand story about a possum that kept a woman in a house trapped. When good animals go bad. 
Yeah, that, that, was that was was that uh, Mrs. Mrs. Scobie lunchbox? Be like, listen, if a bat can win Bird of the Year, like you guys need to pay attention to me, you know. But, I'm just curious to know how that that name came up. You know, I, it, it's I don't well, know the lunchbox because like, oh, because the, the it was kept kept in a lunchbox for a bit, but I don't know about uh, Mrs. Scobie. I see. I can't even figure out Dune, let alone the. Uh, but I like you know, the Black Roads Ripper. Of the story, the the Black Roads Ripper. I think that's funny for a possum. Anyway, um, yeah, this. Uh, but uh, New Zealand possums look much cuter than um, northern North American possums, so I'll say that too. So, um, North North American possums, like I, I know they get a bad rap, but they're not they're not entirely cute sometimes, you know, like. <laughs> So one of the many jobs that uh, I've had over my lifetime is, is that at one time I was an exterminator. Uh, I worked for a pest control company for seven years, and uh, there are what's called a bait box that is uh, a gigantic box that sits outside. If you really look hard at a lot of uh, outside uh, locations, outside locations, if you go to a store or something like that, you may see some of them on the outside, particularly if they're in an area where there's a lot of food kept simply because they want to keep vermin out. The whole idea is, is that it's just a black box with holes on the side so that either a mouse or a rat can get in, eat bait and then leave and die. However, one day I was, I, I, I had a food processing plant that I had to go to weekly. Um, cause there were specific, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, I don't want to say classifications, but there were regulations is the, the, the word, okay. uh, in, in order to keep, uh, and they didn't even make food. They made plastic packaging for like snackables and things like that. Um, but they still had to, ha- you know, have strict guidelines of how pest control was done. And we had, they had to have weekly visits just to make sure that there was, and this is a big plant. I mean, there were probably, over a hundred of those bait boxes outside the facility. Um, and they were spread apart probably every 20 feet. So it's a big, big place, but that's how tight things were on the pest control side to make sure that, you know, they're making things for food. They do not want to have any potential of those two things mixing. But one day, uh, I was out there and the funny thing is, is you have to do it in, you know, warm weather and cold weather. So it doesn't matter what the temperature is out. I can't get out there and be like, it's nine below. Um, I can't go out and check over a hundred bait boxes and open them up to see if they've, you know, been touched. You can't do that. You have to literally record that you've went physically went to every one of those and mark it off and then replace bait. If it had been taken by, you know, and what the activity was and there's a log, all this stuff. So, this is my long um, roundabout way to tell you that one day I opened one up and there was a possum inside of it and it hadn't eaten the bait. It was just looking for like a warm place to just hang out and it scared the hell out of me. If you ever want to be unnerved, watch the watch somebody who works in pest control open something that he's supposed to like be an expert on and then be absolutely terrified and almost fall over because I was not expecting there to be a full possum and he was like the entire size like he just perfectly fit inside the box because there's two openings one on each side and then there's a middle section because they're probably i don't know foot and a half by a foot and a half but he just fit perfectly in there and he just and he like you know did his hiss thing at me and like yeah i nearly pooped myself because i was not expecting to find something in there uh so they're resilient uh they're they're uh 
they're survivors. I'll, I'll give it, give that to them. But uh, that's my long, long story about the one time I've had an interaction with a possum and how it scared the hell out of me. So what you're telling me is that the two things are true. One, uh, graveyard shift is a true story. Um, and then also that the, the scene in Saving Silverman where Steve Zahn is a pest control guy and ends up like dealing with a raccoon is also true, is what you're saying. Pretty much. I will say uh, the other time that I did not look very manly or certainly did not display uh, the qualities that you'd want your pest control uh, guy is, is that I was spraying down a shed for spiders and I turned around because there was a door opening and I opened the door and I wasn't looking and I started spraying something and I turned and on the door was one of the biggest wolf spiders I had ever seen. Wolf spiders are predominantly, you know, they're they're harmless, but they just they're the big, scary looking ones. They're the ones that freak people out the most because they're big, they're hairy, they're ugly. But I like literally almost walked into it and I let out the girliest scream you'd ever heard. And thankfully, no one heard me. Uh, I was at a house when somebody wasn't home, uh, cause a lot of times you'd go and do, you know, sprayings for out for people's houses and they just wouldn't be home or whatever. But yeah, uh, scared the living hell out of me. So I was, if, if this tells you anything, people probably not the best job for Steve, but you did it for seven years. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I adapted. <laughs> I, I could not, you're a stronger person than I am. Like See, I, um, you wanted to stretch the episode out and now I've done it. Well, no, that's not stretch. I just, you, so, all right, we're going to get into, uh, the, uh, into Vegas vacation here, but it's just you like, okay, let's, you know what? Let's just get into that. We'll, we'll, we're going to talk about, uh, the fourth vacation film, Vegas vacation. We're going to listen to, um, not the best trailer ever for a film. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll get there and we'll get to, to the last episode Steve and I will ever do together. And now for our feature presentation. America, the Griswolds are ready to get away to fantastic Las Vegas. But there's some things they just can't get away from. Can you believe it? They used to test H-bombs on this beautiful piece of property. Don't you worry about radiation. All I know, Clark, is that my teeth have never been whiter and my garden is spitting out 50-pound tomatoes. <laughs> Hose down now, kids. Chicken's almost ready. Let's let them get into some trouble. Great. I'm starting my vacation! Are you thinking of dancing, honey? She's got a body for it. You're in Vegas. Together, they're visiting the wonders of the world. Hoover Dam. I am your damn guy. Take all the damn pictures you want. Now, are there any damn questions? Yeah, we're gonna get some damn bakes. And enjoying world-class entertainment. Ooh. Holy cow. Wayne Newton's hitting on mom. <laughs> this guy's with us. You take care of him. Thank you. The torch of the Griswold vacation. <laughs> Ten years of tap dancing lessons, and this is how you repay me? Is being passed to a new generation. Rusty! Now out of the pool! Let's go, you man! Yeah, now. Chevy Chase. <laughs> this is Steve. Beverly D'Angelo. Feeling lucky tonight, Sparky? Not right now, honey. They're teaching me back right. 
Randy Quaid. Has anybody ever told you before your bad luck? Those were my mother's dying words. Vegas Vacation. Get ready for a real trip. Yeah, there you go. That's that trailer that that happened. So, um, yeah, we're we're let's um, let's do the thing that uh, we normally don't do a good job of. 1997's Vegas Vacation. It um, is directed by uh, Stephen Kessler, writer, written by uh, El- Eliza Bell, Bob uh, Dukase. Dukase? I'm going to mess that up. Uh, Dunse? Oh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, we got Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Randy Quaid, Ethan Embry, Marisol Nichols. Um, we also have, uh, appearances by, uh, Wayne Newton. Um, we have, uh, Siegfried and Roy, Sid Caesar, Wallace Shawn, um, and Julia Sweeney for a brief second and, uh, Christy Brinkley and a Ferrari. So, so, um, Steve, you had told me that your exact words to me were, you owe Wayne's world to an apology. That is correct. But first, I'm just going to I didn't hear you mention Miriam Flynn, and I just wanted to mention her only because she's been Catherine in all the movies. She's uh, the the sister who's married to Randy Quaid's character. So uh, I just thought that was a slight omission. So I wanted to mention her real quick. But uh, yes, I owe Wayne World to an apology. Um, I, I look. okay. so this movie is I think it has a 13 on Rotten Tomatoes, and I certainly do not live my life by what Rotten Tomatoes says. But I don't know anybody who, prior to my watching it, and I should also mention first-time watch people, but I don't know anybody who's like, Vegas Vacation, that's where it's at. And it's not even that. Let me rephrase. Nobody has sent me, like, you know, granted, it doesn't come up, uh, you know, conversation very often, but I don't know anybody who's ever sang the praises of this film to me. Um, So, uh You'll you'll occasionally run into fans of certain franchises where they'll be like, oh, you know, Temple of Doom's my favorite, or, um, you know, I really like Star Trek Three, which is me. Uh, but I don't I don't know that it's ever come up in conversation where someone has pinpointed this film as the two movies that that get talked about a lot usually are the original. Vegas, uh, original National Lampoon's Vacation, and then Christmas Vacation. European Vacation sometimes gets mentioned when somebody's like, oh, I didn't think that one's that bad. It's it's okay. But I never hear anyone talk about this. So I was well aware going in that based on the Rotten Tomatoes score and the fact that I've never gotten a recommendation on this movie ever, that I was probably in for a rough sit. And I was hoping to be delighted. I was hoping to be like, okay, well, maybe this is really going to work for me. And unfortunately, it did not. And for as angry as I was at Wade's World 2, I think that's the that's the thing that I really came out of that movie with was that I had seen it before and it hadn't aged well. And it actually, I think it hadn't. It was it was actually worse upon viewing it 20 years later. And I was just angry at it because I wanted it to be a better film because I love those characters. I love Mike Myers. I love Dana Carvey. I, I love Wayne's World as a concept. Uh, so I was really hard on that movie. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm going to come out and just be like, I can't wait to tear this piece of shit apart. That's not how I'm approaching this. But it was, it made me think in retrospect, it's like, wow, I was really hard on Wayne's World too when, you know, of the sequels that we've talked to or talked about, and we've only got one more to go in this year. Um, 
this easily is my least favorite. Um, and it feels very, I want to say it, it feels like a shadow of what a, a vacation movie should be. And I think that there's a lot of structural problems with it that come from not having a clear idea of what the story should be and who Clark is as a character. Um, he's pretty much a cartoon in this movie. Not that he isn't in the others, but we'll talk about this the more we get into it. Um, but it's, it's no secret that John Hughes had a hand in the first three. And again, European great vacation is not a great movie by any stretch of the, the imagination. It's just okay. Um, but when it comes to a comedy sequel, whereas, you know, Wayne's world had some laughs, but just completely fell on its keys. A, a, a phrase that I think comes from the very first Wayne's world when Garth falls on his keys. Um, this, um, falls off the, uh, Hoover dam or I'm sorry, not the Hoover dam. Is it the Hoover dam? It's Hoover dam. Yeah. Yeah. It falls off the Hoover dam and never recovers. Wow. Um, so I, you know, I, I can't believe that of all the things we've ever discussed on the show, uh, the myriad of things we've ever gotten into that, um, that this is where we're going to be divided. I'm like, let me, let me just, let me say that. Like, um, I, um, there's bits of this movie. I was, I was laughing out loud at like, and I, I remember watching this originally. Um, like I, I didn't see the theater. I ended up seeing it like shortly after, like when it was like on DVD and I was like, nah, it was okay. And then since my bar was set so low, um, that, I, there's, there's a few bits in here I was actually laughing at. So maybe, you know, like I just, I, I can't believe that we're not going to be friends anymore after this. Uh, that's, that's sad to me that this, I'm kidding. But, um, I, I actually think I enjoyed this movie more because I expected less than like Wayne's world two. But I want to, I want to put this to you. I have, I have two thoughts that I want to ask you about one. Uh, you just mentioned the other three vacation films. Like how do like Christmas vacation is that movie is a delight and and it has no reason being as good as it is. It's a lot of fun. It's a yearly staple around the holidays. So what could you possibly have done that was going to like, not that you had to exceed Christmas vacation, but like anything that came after that, I think would always be viewed as like, well, this went on one to one, one entry too long. So that's my first thought. Um, my second thought to you, and th- I think this is maybe something I should say for later, but like in terms of the year, of the sequel, we've talked about a couple of different things and, and comedy is hard. What is, is there a, a comedy sequel that you view is better than the original? Wow. That's a good question. Um, because we have that with action movies. We have it with horror. We have it like in other, other genres, right? Where we can argue about like, you know, like, like, like as much as I love the first alien movie and, and rightfully so it belongs up there. I love aliens more, but people are split, right? Like, um, I like other, you know, whatever, but like in terms of comedy, like, you know, where like, I feel like there's a certain kind of magic that maybe the first entry has that it becomes an issue of diminishing returns and the vacation series to me is different because like, I mean, yeah, they go on vacation and the Griswolds are the Griswolds and the kids are always different, which is kind of like, it's a joke, right? Like the actors playing them, but it feels like it doesn't play by the same set of rules as like other comedy sequels. So, so there are two movies that come to mind when you say comedy sequels that I think are, 
I, I don't know that I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think that they're better than maybe as good. Uh, the first one, I think the second Beverly Hills Cop movie, um, I think it actually expands on the characters that it introduced in the, in the first movie. Uh, it finds ways to make comedy out of him having to return to Beverly Hills that aren't just like, oh, it's the culture shock. It's it's uh, Eddie Murphy, I think, at his prime, if you will, although – to be fair, um, you know, his uh, Netflix movie about uh, Rudy Moore. Is it Rudy? Rudy yeah, Moore? My, my name is Dolomite or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic movie. And he's freaking great in it. And then obviously he hosted Saturday Night Live a year ago or two years ago and just blew everyone away. So maybe Eddie Murphy's just still in his prime. We just don't get to see it as much as, as we used to. But I think Beverly Hills Cop 2 is, is one of the ones that I would point to as being, if not better than – Beverly Hills Cop, it's as good. We'll put it that way. Um, and then the other one is another Mike Myers affair. I think Spy That Shagged Me, and again, it's not a movie that I've watched in 15 years, so maybe it's probably, maybe it's a film that I don't have a clear memory of. Oh, gosh, it's probably been more than 15 years now that I'm thinking about it because that came out in 99. But I remember loving uh, the spy that shagged me. And I thought it, I thought it did everything that the first Austin powers did, but did it better. Um, and, uh, it was ridiculously funny and, uh, I really enjoyed that movie. But when it comes to comedy, you're right. There aren't that many that I can point to, um, and say, Oh, well, this is clearly better than the first one. I mean, I mentioned Ghostbusters 2. You're never going to hear me say that Ghostbusters 2 is better than the original Ghostbusters. You, you, you're just high if that's what you think you heard, because it's <laughs> it's not true. Uh, I don't think that that movie is a terrible movie, but I do think that Ghostbusters is a singular movie that, you know, so far they have not been able to match. And I'm also somebody who is pro the 2016 movie, so that's not me slamming that either. Um but I'm I'm now trying to think in my head of other sequels to comedies that I enjoyed as much or think are better. Um, are there any that come up for you? I was going to mention the second Austin Powers because I remember like liking the first one a great deal, but then the second one, it's like it was that sweet spot where Mike Myers kind of felt like he found his lane, like in terms of what he could do, and it's like and he kind of like I, I just it, since he said said it back in the '60s and they went back in time or whatever, like that was I think like you had to have the first one to kind of get to the second one. Right. Cause I think just like, and I, I love the spot Shaggy. Maybe it's not aged well, uh, but it's been a while since I've seen that. Um, like I'm, I'm also going to say maybe the naked gun, like uh two and a half. Um, I think those are kind of on par with that. Like the Nick gun, and the second one are on par. And the, I remember seeing the second one in the theater and losing my goddamn mind is like, I was like, I was like 15 or 16. It was the greatest thing in the world. Of course that I was the target market for an R rated movie that my dad took me to. You know, like, um, but it's been a while since I've seen that one as well. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember the ins and outs of the second Naked Gun. Uh, and I have tried to rewatch the original Naked Gun, but every time OJ Simpson pops up, it's just like, ooh. Um, and I don't mean that to be like, oh, let's look at me. I'm, you know, so dignified and whatever, but I just. <laughs> It, it's just unfortunate when he pops up, it's like, hey, that guy murdered two people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but we don't know how many people Leslie Nielsen murdered. 
We don't know. No, <laughs> That's true. He, 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 he murdered my heart, yeah, no. but, uh, yeah, I, I still, I still quite enjoy the first one. I haven't seen the second one in quite some time is, is where I was going with that. So, so I just think it's harder because like, in terms of like you mentioned expanding upon and growing characters. Right. So I think that's, I think that's the challenge because then like, um, you know, because people, they like the movie for a reason, especially a comedy. They want, they want what worked before, but like it worked because, it, it was something like, not that you haven't seen it before, but you haven't seen it in that kind of like ingredient set. Right. Like, cause like, like it, when it comes to all these things that we love, um, you know, everything has, you know, it has an A to B to C, right. Like in terms of whatever genre it is, there's certain expectations that we have and either the, the thing is smart enough to subvert them or bring us like humor in ways that we weren't expecting. And like, you know, so, um, sure. Like, so it's, I think, I think comedy, I think comedy sequels are probably the hardest thing to pull off with like the uh, most like most return on investment. You know what I mean? Like in the sense of like, you can have your slasher films and this reset it and be like, well, here's eight more kids going to the woods and they shouldn't. And you could bring us a little bit different variations of what's going on there. But, and, and your mind, you know, the quality will change, but like in terms of a comedy, like I, I think it's just you, if you go back to that, well, so many times, especially because of what worked first, of course, there's going to be callbacks and references, but unless they're earned, it's just going to feel like they're pandering and that's not funny. I would agree with that. And, you know, going back to my example of Beverly Hills cop two, I think what works in that movie is, is that the first movie he's at odds with, um, the, the two cops, um, one is named Taggart. The other one's name is Judge Reinhold. Um, <laughs> but I can't think of his character name. Uh, <laughs> but they're at odds with each other. And, you know, the second movie, like when we get to the, that movie, or when we, get, when we get to the beginning of the second movie, they're friends. They've gone on fishing trips together. So when he gets out to Beverly Hills again, like I said, the culture shock is gone. He's there working the case because Bogomil has been shot, who's played by Rod, Ronnie Cox, who's the, you know, police chief in the first movie. And they're all three involved in trying to solve this this case. And they're all, you know, they're used to Axel's antics at this point. But there are also other things that they develop, like Billy. That's Billy Rosewood. That's um, Jeff Reinhold's character. You know, we find out that he's got this weird thing about plants, like his entire plant, his, his entire, like, apartment's plants in, like, action movie posters. And, like, he's also, like, armed the hilt with guns. And, you know, Taggart is having relationship problems with his wife and... You know, I, those characters get to grow. I mean, not infinitely. You know, they don't get like huge spotlights, but like they're in a different place than they are in the first one. And I think that's why that comedy works is that the three of them are now involved together in the case and they're working together as equals as opposed to them being left in the dust by Axel in the first movie. And again, I'm not saying it's a huge character development. I'm not saying that it takes it to like new bold places. You know, it's not like they go into outer space or something, mm. but uh, that's Beverly Hill Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. No, that's, that's the adventures of Pluto Dash that we know that, yes. right? So. <laughs> but there is some character development, uh, and it allows the characters to be free and and have new scenes to be funny in. I think what happened with, for instance, when we go to Wayne's World Two, is they're trying to recreate a lot of the scenes. That was my big disappointment. Was, was like, you guys are just doing the same thing that you did better two years ago, but not as funny. And I think that that could probably be sum up a lot of what happens in Vegas vacation is there's a lot of things that they try to do or make bigger 
that don't work as well as they did in the previous films. And uh, my big takeaway from this movie, and we can we can argue about this, but I think one of the reasons the movie doesn't work for me is is that the film doesn't really seem to understand who Clark is. Um, I never get the sense like okay, so the, the comedy, particularly the two best Christmas movie or two best uh, National Lampoon's movies are the original and then Christmas Vacation. I don't think anybody's going to argue that with me. Are you going to argue that with me here? Are you going to say that this or European Vacation is better than either of those? Well, I was going to say the direct-to-video uh, Christmas Vacation Part 2 um, is the superior the Eddie, one. Eddie movie where, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I'm glad that you knew I was making it because it exists. I, I will never watch it. But yeah. <laughs> oh, I've, I've never seen it, but I remember that DVD being in the store a lot. Yeah, I was I, like, really? as do I, and I had no interest in it whatsoever, yes. But that's a fair assessment, correct? That the, those two are the ones. Yeah, that no, no, I'm not going to disagree okay. with you on that. Like, I, okay. I, I, yeah, absolutely. So right. yes. the reason those movies work is that one, Clark is somebody who's trying to create this ideal vacation. In the first one, it's he wants to get his kids to Wally World. He wants to get his family to Wally World. He wants to have this magical trip. In Christmas Vacation, it's all about recreating a Christmas or not even recreating, it's creating a Christmas for the ages. It's both their families are coming. He wants to do this gigantic thing. He wants to uh, put in a pool. He wants to have this magical Christmas based on his memories as a kid of what Christmas was like. And also, he wants to do the same thing for his kids. Here, he's just like, hey, kids, we're going to Vegas. Hilarity ensues. Like, I never get the sense that Clark cares about having a family vacation like he does in the others. And the reason the other two movies work is, is because everything goes wrong. And here the things that go wrong are of Clark's doing as opposed to uh, just, you know, in the sense of Christmas vacation. Yes, there are things that are that happen that are his doing, like the Christmas tree being gigantic or, uh, you know, the, the lights uh, blowing up the circuit breakers, <laughs> those types of things. But the idea that like Christmas becomes this sort of, uh, you know, I, I think at one point he refers to it as being in, in the 10th level of hell. We never, ever get to that point with this movie. And I don't know that Clark, and this is so weird to be so analytical of this movie where last, last week I couldn't come up with competent thoughts on Dune, <laughs> which is this masterpiece of science fiction. Whereas here I'm like, let me tell you why Clark Griswold doesn't work as a character in Vegas vacation. I realized that, you know, maybe, maybe dude is too smart for me and I'm way smarter well, than Vegas. Vacation. Let's be fair so, though. You have read all of the expanded universe vacation stories that were written that by, uh, you know, was it uh, Frank Herbert that wrote dude? He, he, you know, he also wrote a lot of national Lampoon. I'm kidding, but like you've, re like you've read all the, you, you know about every vacation now. Um, so I should ask real quick, have you seen the one with, um, Ed Helms as a grown up rusty? No, I've not seen that. Like the the, okay, the soft so reboot. Have I. Okay. Yeah, because because I know that um, we have we have uh, Chevy Chase and Beverly Beverly D'Angelo show up there for a second, mm -hmm. um, and um, oh, Christina Applegate's in that too, right? I've heard that's actually okay. I've uh, not seen it, so no, I've not watched that. Okay, I, I was just curious because I I keep talking about them as four movies, but technically there's a fifth movie and. I guess sixth movie if we are including the Christmas Vacation to oh, Eddie's Island. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> with that in mind, I, I think looking at one and three and using that as sort of your barometer for 
how a vacation movie should work is probably a good way. And I, again, I'm not saying that you have to stick to that formula, but I think that that's the reason those two movies work so well. And here, Clark is just as much of a goofball as he is in the other movies, but it's almost to a cartoonish level. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You're in your fourth movie. I get it. Like, where do you take the character? But at one point, he literally is just he's so interested in, like, winning some money at the casino that he's just like, hey, everybody, let's spend a day away from each other, which is not something we would ever see him do. He would be smothering them in the other movies. And I get also that you're like, well, they're taking it in a different direction. I, I understand that. But it also seems to betray who Clark is as a person. That's fair. God, I can't believe I just I just uttered uh, like all that information about this. And again, I, I'm not saying that. I'm some sort of, you know, genius writer, but I can't come up with, you know, two coherent thoughts on Dune. But this I got thoughts on. So <laughs> my apologies. Go no, on. no. But but to be fair, you've also had more time living with those characters and watching those movies. So you are more familiar with who they are and what the expectation is. There's that's a, like like I was going to say, that's the big difference between this and Dune. No, there's plenty of differences between those movies. <laughs> uh, but You've already had, you've been around Clark Griswold how many years, you know, in terms of the times you've watched those movies, right? Like, right. so, like, the, your your criticisms are completely valid. Um, oh, I, I feel like uh, people would be screaming at us that we would be, it'd be remiss to not mention um, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey as a sequel that is on par with the original and if not better in some places. Because that and even face the music, they go, in diff- all three of those movies go in different directions, so... We got to mention that. I think it would be silly for us not to mention that series. Yeah, Bogus Journey is a good call. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I still think it's really, really hard to do comedy sequels, right? I, I think that um, with this, like I, you know, um, there, but you mentioned cartoon, uh, cartoonish, like the bit of whenever we, because there's also that like that self assured Clark that he knows how things are going to go, right? Um, and then like the Siegfried and Roy sequence, when you text me about it, like that aged well, like, yeah, I understand that the, the, the white lions eventually mauled one of them and that didn't go well, but how many years did they have where a white lion didn't maul one of them? I don't know. Um, pretty long time with no white lion maulings going on in Vegas. Um, but the whole thing, when you is, say white lion, you're talking about the band white lion, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're sorry. Not lions. I'm talking white tigers, but I'm talking about the band white lion, but the white tigers, right? Like we don't like, so you watch that now. You're like, Oh, that's not going to end well for either one of them like that. Then yeah, you kind of have that carrying in, but I love the bit whenever Clark goes up on stage, he's like, yeah, I know how this is going to work. He's like, I'm going to get in this box. He's like, okay, I'll just go up with the box. And then he disappears. I love the time-lapse of the family being like, where's dad at? And then at the end, whenever all the tigers are coming up through like the little platforms and we just see Chevy Chase, like all fours with like his hair just disheveled and just confused. Like Chevy Chase as a physical comedian, there's this ways he just the looks he can give some of his timing, even in a movie like this. That is, I'm you're right. It's the shadow of the other things. There's still bits in this that and beats that made me laugh, and I loved his confusion. And they never explain where he went. Just that he's now on stage like an hour later with the rest of the tigers. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind that. I didn't get the enjoyment out of it. You did, but I was like, oh, that's kind of clever. But. You know, if we want to talk about that in regards to like it becoming a cartoon, for instance, in Christmas Vacation, you know, he's putting up the lights, uh, the uh, gutter comes off and it crashes through the window and it ruins, you know, the asshole couple next door's electronics and 
you know, he's hanging from the roof of a house. Here, he's literally hanging from a wire on the Hoover Dam, and it's played for the same type of laugh. Yeah, that's and, stupid. I, that, that, I'll agree with that. The only thing about the Hoover Dam that was funny was uh, the leaks that were happening and him trying to plug them. I don't know why I like that uh, his solution for um, bubble gum filling up full of water was to put more gum on the one hole that pop, like. I just okay. Yeah. So I did. I did think that was funny, and the only reason I thought that was funny was is that for a brief moment when my tire popped uh, last week, I I saw where the hole was, and I was like, "Can I put gum in it?" Because I had gum, <laughs> so I briefly consider uh, it. Yeah. So I, I I I did think that was funny, but where and even the tour guide with the whole damn damn thing was that was kind of funny, but the the whole you know, scene after it is just, it's not funny. It, it, it doesn't work as, as being like, Oh, it's just Clark. You're, he's never really afraid for himself. It doesn't feel like, and you know, he's, they're not going to kill him in the middle of the movie, but it, had they, had they, I'd have been like, Bravo. Vegas vacation. <laughs> I did not see that coming at all. Uh, um, I, I did like the payoff later when they go to the hotel room and you hear over the news about like, there was some flooding at the dam. <laughs> it's like, cause like the gum didn't hold. I thought that was like, right. oh, I'm glad at least they paid that off. But no, like, like um, I think Randy Quaid, give him some credit as much as I think he was just playing himself in this movie. Now that we know what, what happened to him later, like him is cousin Eddie showing up with a fishing pole and a bush light in his hand everywhere he went. Like this tickled me. Like, but him showing up with a fishing pole to the Hoover Dam. Like, that's just a dumb thing, but it makes sense for like you were talking about characters that stayed on point this entire time. They wrote Cousin Eddie like straight down the line of every time I've seen him. Okay, you're absolutely right. And well, he's a cartoon again, character already. I get it. You know, he's already a cartoon character, but also his entrance isn't thought out here. Like that's what makes okay. So when we first introduce, when we first meet him in vacation, they're they're making a stop and they're gonna go see him. You know, uh, when he shows up in Christmas Vacation, it's completely unexpected and it's this great moment after the lights come on, and you know Chevy Chase has that great line. And that's the other thing too is, is there's no great lines in this. There's a lot of funny lines in in both the original and Christmas Vacation. The, uh, the when when. And I, I hate to keep going back to the previous movie, uh, and by previous movie I mean Christmas Vacation. But when Eddie shows up and surprises them, you know uh, Eddie says, "Aren't you surprised, Clark?" And he's like, "Eddie, if I woke up with my head sewn to the carpet tomorrow, I don't think I'd be more surprised than I am right now." <laughs> like a lot of that type of humor seems to be missing from this. I don't think that Clark ever gets to have that type of a moment, um, and it sort of becomes the Eddie show. Like Eddie just walks in. Like he just shows up at the casino and it's like, oh, hey, Clark. And I'm not saying he needs to have a grand entrance, but if you have that recurring character, maybe do something more introducing interesting to introduce him back into the story. Yeah, because and my dog point, Bosco here, he agrees with me. Yeah, no, because we because we have um, um, uh, what's um, Beverly D'Angelo's uh, character. We have her say, oh, Ellen, like is like uh, Clark's like, oh, you told uh, told um you told him we're in town. She's like, you know, I haven't seen my cousin in forever. And that's how they kind of back that in. But I did like that when we see uh, Cousin Eddie, he's just showed up in the middle of the mirage with like a snorkel and flippers and a beer. 
because he was going to go swim with the dolphins. You know, like, I don't know why I, I was tickled by that. Other things, um, like, uh, some of the, some of the comments, like, especially with, uh, Clark reacting to, uh, Rusty, like with the Wayne Newton thing, he's like, Oh, like Wayne Newton's like hitting on mom. He's like, just, he's like, just shut up Rusty, whatever. Like, I know it's like really dismissive, but it's like, like I liked, um, that like people were saying clearly what was going on, but you know, Clark couldn't process it. I thought there were some funny moments there. Um, I liked uh, his interactions with Wallace Shawn as the um, like the dealer, the blackjack dealer. I thought that was I thought that stuff was all great. Wallace Shawn is Marty from Maslin, Ohio. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, I thought all those interactions were really funny. I thought they were funny, but I thought that they could have played on that more. I thought that they could have. I don't know. The pay, I, I, the payoff for the movie should have been Clark winning against Marty. Yeah. That should have been. But I did and, like... Sorry, go ahead, please. Yeah. No, I don't want to jump to the end, but... Uh, and he's dead now, so it's unfortunate to say this, but... And I know uh, Sid Caesar is a comedy legend, but boy, oh boy, one of the unfunniest uh, quote-unquote death scenes I've ever seen in a movie that's supposed to be played for laughs. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't great, but um, I did like that the family was brought to the point of like we can take that ticket cause he's dead. I thought that was, I thought that was funny, but, uh, anyway, but, um, no, but Wallace Sean is Marty, the dealer. I thought that was great. I thought, um, whenever Clark has got driven to the point where he goes to like the off strip casinos with the games of like pick a hand heads or tails, like war. I, I just, that stuff made me laugh because it's like, it's just, do you've gotten to like, um, pick a number. Like you've gotten to these games that make like, like other war exists in casinos, by the way, like they they actually play that, but the rest of it though, it's like you get to the point to where you can't even win, like, um, pick a number between one and 10. Like I, I just, I thought that that was his desperation. I thought that was pretty funny as well. Like I, I actually, that was the one point in the movie that I thought was a really funny idea. I actually, no, that's not true. I thought Eddie like digging up money to try and help Clark. I thought was funny. And then, you know, Eddie being like, are you sure we can't keep some of that money of mine that, uh, you keep losing Clark or whatever he (laughs) says to him at that one point. But I thought that casino having like the worst games ever was a really funny idea. Clark still losing, you know, like, uh, so I thought that was funny. I also, when they go to visit cousin Eddie, like out in the, like, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, I I can't help it. I laughed whenever it's like, I'm going to put the chicken on. It's like, well, it's like, where's the grill? And he just throws down a rock out in the sun and starts cooking. Like that seems like a very cousin Eddie solution. And also the, the box full of snakes being the babysitter. Like, I don't know why. Like I I liked that too. I just, so what I'm hearing is, is maybe we should have watched uh, Christmas Vacation to uh, Eddie's Island. No, no, but it's just like Randy Quaid knew what movie he was in, you know, and like, and I think that his cousin Eddie, like, I think that uh, that helps the movie a great deal. But there's also bits too with Chevy Chase, like there's a, like, I there's some of his like slight awkward physical comedy, like even even the bit the beginning when he's trying to join the Mile High Club, like that was kind of funny especially them walking through the airport with his, like, you know, um, what was it? His hand covered in blue and his wife with like the blue leg. Like, I don't know. I thought that was okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, <laughs> okay, I, okay. I, I so. didn't find that funny. And I, I felt like it's something we'd, and I, I can't pinpoint to something else and be like, Oh, we've already seen that. But I felt like that joke had already been done in other places. It's so, the other reason. Yeah, go ahead. That, uh, no, 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 no. It's the other reason that I go back on the idea of like, well, if if Clark gets to Vegas, what is the impetus for him to abandon his family? If that's really where we're at, because he's not like drawn into the gambling in the sense of 
you know, oh, he would never gamble. And then suddenly he, he discovers gambling. No, he's already there and he wants to gamble. He's just not great at it. Like, I wanted there to be something more to that angle of it. I wanted there to be, you know, and again, we're four movies in. So at no point did I ever think that, like, Clark's really going to lose all his money at the, in the casinos. Like, there's no way this is going to have a happy ending. You know, it, it's it, it's not about that. Obviously, we know this movie is going to have a happy ending. But, you know, again, I, 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 I keep going back to Christmas Vacation. What makes that finale so great is, is the way it just keeps unraveling. Like, it starts off bad and just gets worse. It's almost like the way that Indiana Jones, the I'm sorry, Raiders of the Lost Ark is sort of like they go from bad to worse to worse to worse. Mm-hmm. That that ending of Christmas Vacation is like that, where just everything just keeps go, getting worse. And no matter what they try to do to fix it, it just gets progressively worse after that. Um, I, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen him be a little bit more. I would have liked to Clark be a little bit more worried about his relationship with with his wife, which again, that's also particularly in in European Vacation, if I remember correctly, that's that's at stake. It's never really at stake in in Christmas Vacation, but there's enough there to pull from where you know she's just like Clark. This is insanity, you know. Um, and I, I'll ask you this: I, I really I understand that Wayne Newton. Uh, has always been a mainstay of both Vegas and, you know, I understand why Beverly D'Angelo's character would be infatuated with him. Can you think of somebody now who would be a, a, a Wayne Newton type? Like what, what, what would be the Wayne Newton? Like, okay. So you, you, you've been to Vegas twice. Yes. Correct. Yeah. I, I have a very unhappy dog right now. Cause his well, mom's you're, away. You're besmirching so Wayne like, Newton. You know, that's what yes. I'm saying. <laughs> But you, you've been, you've been, and so like, if you took Mary out there, your wife, um, who who would be the the person that she would go see that you'd be like, I have to worry about this because <laughs> oh, I, I can't um, think of a, a contemporary person that would be like the Wayne Newton, and that's not a problem with the movie. It's just something that I came across. I'm like, well, who would be the contemporary? Well, I mean, but that's unquote. kind of that's kind of the old Vegas there, and they're like, so I think that you get a little bit of that because um, there's people that do residencies. I know, like Britney Spears did one, Celine Dion. Uh, they, they, there's people that like the the Eagles did like a bit there too recently. Like, so you get that right. Like, they, so that's one of the draws. Um, so I, I get your point. Um, so. I, I don't know if I can point to one right now, but I can understand like that. That's kind of like there was that kind of not crooner, but like, um, you know, um, and this, that's not a critique of the film. Please don't take it that no, way. No, no, no. But I, I understand just, what you're saying. I, I, just, I was yeah. trying to figure out, I'm like, well, who would be the, the contemporary? Like if you were doing this today, who would it be? You know, if Clark in, in, uh, his wife, and I feel bad cause I, I can't remember Beverly, Ellen, uh, uh Beverly yeah. D'Angelo, um, you know, if they were in Vegas now, if they made this movie now, who would be the, the like draw for her? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, you know, I, I, actually, knows? I don't know. No, but so, what, no, no. But like, like I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> this is me dating myself. But like, like, what if like you go, they go see like Chris Angel or something, and he's like, oh, you should come backstage or whatever. Like, you know, like it's just we you could have you could have written that like this is something that they've been interested in for a while but like you could just tell that wade newton was her thing you know and it worked um you know like that's fine but you're right i don't but we're catching vegas at an interesting point 
when this film was made because we have the, the subplots of his kids that they're saying there's nothing to do here. Um, when Vegas is actually shifting to a more of a family friendly atmosphere where you still have the 24 seven gambling, but if, when you saw the montage there, you saw the Luxor, you saw the Excalibur, which is, um, a bunch of arcade machines and they have the medieval times thing going on there. Cause Mary and I went, we saw that once. Uh, and you had like, there was more things for kids to do, or at least teenagers to do then. So we're catching this weird moment of like shifting from the old Vegas to the new. Um, so, uh, I think that there's certain amount, there's a certain amount of, um, glamor that people think about when they go out there where they, they think of like the Sinatra's they think of like, you know, um, like the Wayne Newton's like they, they kind of expect that as well. Um, but this was like a weird time where everything was transitioning. So I understand your question. I don't have a good answer, but it was still a thing then. I guess that's my answer. I totally get that. And I, the reason I bring it up mainly is because I was trying to think of like, Oh, if we're looking at this in contemporary times, which again, Vegas vacation doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but again, it was 24 years ago. I think it came out in 97. So, uh, at this point, you know, it's old enough to, uh, both, uh, have gone to war, drink and, uh, uh, it's, if it, if it was born in 1997, it's, it's, and it was a person, it can do yeah, all those it, things. It could, go to, it could go to Vegas and do whatever it wants, pretty much. It, just can't, alert, it, it yes. can't rent a car. In another 11 That's years, it. It, it'll, it can run for president. Yeah. So, well, also uh, think about this, too. Like, I just want to toss this out. This film came out two years after the movie Casino. <laughs> That's probably fair, too. Yeah, but yeah. the reason that I was thinking about it was is that there's an episode of The Simpsons, and I don't know what the episode is, but I know it's probably within the last 10 years at least, or maybe 15. When I, okay, The Simpsons start in the early 90s. Marge and Homer always stay either 33 or 34. I don't remember what age it is. But, you know, when they told the stories about Marge and Homer as, you know, when they fall in love and meet as as kids in high school, uh, you know, it's clearly in the 70s. At some point, they're like, well, we have to update this now because this show's been running for 15 years. And if they're still 33, that means that they no longer fell in love in 1975. Mm -hmm. They fell in love in 1990 or whatever year it is. And I remember watching the episode and being like, oh, my God, what what just happened? Because apparently I'm Homer now. And that's that's a like thing of trying to come to grips with like, oh, I'm yeah. I'm Homer and I'm older than Homer or, you know, I he's now, uh, you know, the things that he thought were cool in his day are the things that I thought were cool and they're no longer a joke. They're like, just they just make me sad. Tie an onion to your belt. And yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was just thinking about in that context of like, oh, you know, if you are doing this. You know, who would be and I couldn't think of one. So that's why I asked you and I did not mean that to become as big of a tangent as it did. So, oh, no, no, no. I think that's a fair thing in terms of a plot point, you know, like, um, but yeah, there's, there's plenty of people that do residencies. There's comedians, everything out there that do that now, like for, for goodness sakes, when we were out there the first time, um, was it, um, and also too, maybe, maybe I'm a little biased because, like the whole thing was that Clark's like, Hey, you know, he's telling Helen, we can go like renew our vows out in Vegas and get remarried. And, and not that I was like, Oh, we got married in Vegas. So this movie's definitely for me. No, but you know, like there's a bit of like, let's just go and have an adventure type of thing that maybe, maybe it was like, since I've been there twice, not that I'm saying, Steve, you've never been to Vegas. You don't know what's going on. No, that, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. But like, you know, I, I do kind of relate to like the wide eyed, like what is going on out here type of thing. Um, 
more so with, with Rusty, AKA Nick Papa Giorgio, um, with him just try to walk around and like do whatever. Um, but there's a certain amount there that I kind of, kind of related to a little bit and, and actually have been, you know, gone out a couple of times and kind of have my own personal experiences with the place. Um, maybe the film hits me a little differently because, you know, I've been kind of like in the middle of that sea of people and realizing like how ridiculous it is, good and bad. So maybe, maybe again, um, you know, your mileage may vary. So maybe I'm a honk for it because I've, I've been there. All right. So going back to Rusty, uh, what did you think of Rusty in this in this movie? I thought it was okay. I thought uh, Ethan Embry, actually, I think he had some pretty good facial expressions to things. You know, like I think uh, I liked whenever he finally kind of got got whisked away as Nick Papa Giorgio. I thought some of that stuff was pretty funny. How he kind of went along for the ride and how it just kept getting bigger and bigger for him. And like it got to the point to where it's like he kind of got absorbed by the lifestyle within like what two days. I thought mm-hmm. that was okay. Yeah, I don't. Uh, and again, here's where I will sing the praises of European Vacation. I, I've always, uh, and this is also weird. Why do I know all four different Rusties? Uh, you know, you've got uh, Michael Anthony Hall. You've got uh, Jason Lively in European Vacation, who would go on to be in uh, Night of the Creeps. Uh, you then have um, Johnny Galecki in the third one, and then Ethan Embry here. My favorite, for whatever reason, I love Jason Lively in European Vacation. Uh, there's a scene. Uh, where this newlywed couple's making out at their table in European vacation. And Rusty's just watching him the whole time. He's like, Dad, he's going to pork her. And I don't know why <clears throat> just him saying, Dad, he's going to pork her made me laugh so hard. I was also probably, I don't know, 10 when I saw it. So there you go. Uh, but I, I really, it's not a great movie. We re- revisit it sometime during the pandemic. But his character still, I thought, was really funny. And I, I do like Ethan Embry as an actor, um, uh, actually, and it's not a comedy at all, but there's a, a movie that he was in, and I'm realizing now that it was over five years ago, it was called The Devil's Candy, which is a really good movie, it's a horror film, shock, um, but uh, he's really good in that, and I, I like him as an actor, I just felt like he wasn't given much to do here, like, it's all sort of just resting on him being, you know, the facial expressions, It's 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 that sort of... And I, I hate to make this reference, but with, you know, the reason I think that Jim works on The Office is because John Krasinski's a really funny, good actor. Um, but, you know, Ethan Embry as uh, the son here is Rusty isn't given the funniest sides that, say, John Krasinski's given on The Office. He's just given make funny faces and, you know, just be like, aw shucks about everything. And, uh Again, I, I like the idea that, you know, he finally gets out and, you know, starts making uh, a ton of money and winning things because he's, for some reason, the the, the, the luck of the family. He's like the exact uh, opposite of, um, you know, his uh, father. Yeah. yeah. And I, I thought that that was a funny idea. Um, you know, I, I, I thought the idea of him buying the uh, the idea without looking at the photo was kind of funny. Uh, and oddly enough, an appearance by Toby Huss, who now will forever be known as the, uh, I got peanut butter on my penis guy from uh, Halloween. <laughs> that's right. Yes, that, that's right. He was the guy who was Frank Sinatra, like with the sandwich board. That's right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I thought that, uh, so, okay, to be fair, I feel like actually Audrey has the least to do in this movie. Um, yeah. and it's unfortunate too, because they throw her with cousin Vicky and, 
they're trying to make comedy out of it, but like Clark's not even phased by it, really. Like he doesn't even seem to care. He doesn't even remember her name half the time. You know, right? And, like and that's supposed to be a joke. I mean, there is the joke earlier in the movie whenever he first comes home with his big bonus for the food preservative thing, which I, I think that's in line with everything else he's done in terms of that company he works for, which must be. Um, it must be Viridian Dynamics. That must be what it is that he works for, where he's like, hey, I've developed a food preservative where this uh, was these cookies are four years old and the milk was eight or whatever it was. Like, yeah. I, th- I thought that I love him trying to drink the milk like seriously. I thought that's a good Chevy Chase reaction. But he looks at the two kids. He's like, we don't even recognize you anymore, which I was like, I, it's on the nose, but that's the joke. And I thought that was kind of funny that every time that they have a new movie, there's two new kids playing the kids. Yeah, and uh, I, I get it. I, I I understand, you know, um, that I understand the joke, but also uh, even the beginning of the film where he's driving home and looking at the pamphlet, that feels like really. It feels forced. Yeah, it feels really forced and not all that funny. Um, and I, I, I kind of knew when I saw that opening, I was like, oh, I know what I'm in for. Um and I wanted it to be better. I, I again, I never want to sit here and shit on movies. You know, I never want to sit Except here and be for like, Dune. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't think I, I shit on Dune. I'm just like, I don't know mm. how I feel about this. Yeah, I, I, I'm joking. Yeah. I wish I was a better critic because I can't tell you why it didn't work for me. But I know that it's a beautiful movie and I should be moved by it. Okay. Maybe the problem's me. It's, what, it's what like, about what about like the when bu- the girlfriend tells you that it's you? It's me, not you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, really? Cause it feels like it's me. What about the, the buffet gag where it's like the blue and the yellow where it's like, that isn't, it's like, Oh no, no, no. The names are switched. And like whatever it was from uh, chicken or beef or whatever. And Randy, yeah. Quinn, it's like, I just, I love how he's like, don't skip on it or whatever he says. Like, I just, I could have watched a, a uh, Vegas vacation movie. with just Randy Quaid just being a weirdo the entire time. I think is what it gets down to. I think he has some of the best stuff, especially whenever he looks at Wayne Newton. He's like, do you need a bodyguard? I would die for you. <laughs> I did think that was funny. Yeah. But also credit to Wayne Newton, like getting weird, you know, like just being like this weirdo where he's like, I'm obsessed with you. I've given you a lock of my hair. Like, I don't know. Like, like there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of celebrities that would like allow themselves to be taken down to be like the bad guy in a lot of ways. So I think that he, I think he had a lot of fun with it. Is he supposed to be the bad guy? I mean, like, like, I, no, he's supposed to be breaking up the marriage. You know what I mean? Like, so they're just going to make him yeah, weird. Yeah, but I don't all. even feel like... I don't think he's Clark a villain, but you know what I mean? But he's it. he's a rival. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's, you know. but... Yeah, I don't know. I... Again, I... Okay, so let me ask you this. Because I, I don't, I, I don't want to dwell on Wayne Newton, but... Um, Wayne, Wayne Newton's world. I get it. No, um... Yeah, continue, so please. So, what did you think of the Christy Brinkley cameo? Eh... I thought it was okay. I thought it was like, I, um, you know, especially like, I don't know what, like, I like the notion of like Clark, like seeing her again, like, you remember me? She's like, yeah, I do whatever. And then, and then when she pulls up and sees that there's a a car seat, he's like, oh, you're a mom. It's like, it ruined the fantasy for him. And I'm like, you're in your own car with your own family. Like that just showed me a little bit about him where his idealization of what's supposed to be. And then it's like, he's like, his dreams are broken. It's like, you are, I don't know. I thought that was okay. I thought that was a nice little like bit of like, I thought that was an okay callback. I don't know if I needed the holiday road song, but again, it's something known with the movie. So whatever. Well, uh, so my whole takeaway from it was, was just uh, yeah, as, as, as it's happening, 
And you're like, oh, okay, they brought her back. Ha ha, that's funny. And then you get the baby reveal. And, like, he's not flat out disgusted, but he he's, he's it's clear that, like, you know, he's suddenly turned off by her. And I don't know. I, I guess it's. It feels, it very feels similar to Christmas Vacation when he's talking to, like, the sexy um, lingerie person, right? And then he has, like, the whole fantasy about the swimming pool with her. Like right. Clark is like, he wants to be desired outside of being this family man too, you know? Right. And, and that's fine. But it seems like suddenly once the woman has a kid, like he's suddenly turned off by it. Like I think a better joke would have been if she drove away instead of saying mama on the back of it, it would have said milf. And I know that that's a more contemporary ter- term, but like the fact that like, like, I think he should have just been like, I don't know. I, I think the better reaction would have just been for him to be like, oh, lucky guy or something like that. Like it, the idea that he suddenly like turned off by her because she has a kid. I was just like, oh, so you're you're no longer attracted to her. because She has a kid. And I get that. Like, oh, it's supposed to be him thinking to like, you know, his wild days when he wasn't tied down with a wife and kids. But. I I think the better joke would have been somehow they gets across that she's like, oh, we meet again. Do you want to get down now? And like she's open to it. And he looks over to his fam when he's just like, I can't, you know, like this is it. And then she's like, you know, the whole like, you know, too bad. And then takes off in the distance. Like, yeah. I think that would have been a better joke. You know, I just I, I thought that there could have been. A, I, I, I don't know. No, I you're, you're, you're not wrong. And I think that 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 joke might encapsulate the movie where there is a nugget of something there. But they bumble it. I think I think right. that might be. And so what I'll say, though, is like, I'm not saying from A to B that this film is great because it really isn't. However, um, this is the definition for me of a breezy watch. Like I, you know, like I said, I, again, um, your mileage may vary. And I, I feel like I'm saying that over and over again now. That's my new, uh, you know, um, here's the thing or whatever. Um, is that like on a Sunday morning? Not expecting a lot after having like again we had we had Dune like we had to we had to absorb Dune and then like, I got into some Hitchcock noir stuff and you're about to get into that too like this felt like um this felt like you know like a brief little bit of like you know I don't know um, a fun size bar in between like major meals to dig into and because of that I didn't I didn't have to like think too much about it I maybe. Maybe it hit me right place, right time. But on a Sunday morning after like a really, really full day of like conversation and whatever, like it, it just kind of hit me in the right spot. And I don't like, it's just, it, this is not going to be a guilty pleasure watch. Um, but I ended up being way more forgiving of it than maybe, maybe I would normally holding it up against everything else. You know, that's where I'm at with it. Okay. I, I guess for me, when it comes to uh, the Christy Brinkley thing, I just want to go back to that real quick. There's no man on earth. Uh, okay, now I shouldn't say no man on earth because there's plenty of people who probably wouldn't find her attractive. But, you know, she's drop dead gorgeous. I mean, that's the joke of her being on Parks and Rec is that, like, Gary, Jerry, Larry is with her. Yeah. And people are like, I don't get it at all. And then it's, you know, we find out later that he just happens to be extremely well hung and, well, uh, and an she, all around and, nice yeah, guy. Yeah, that too. I mean, you know. But, yeah, like, yeah. It, it's that thing of, like, she's still a ridiculously attractive woman. And I think the idea that like, he's suddenly like taken aback by the fact that she has a kid. I just think that there are better ways to play that joke is where I was trying to go with it. And, uh, and it, that kind of feels like this entire movie is that for what laughs it does get, there are far more laughs that it doesn't. Uh, it, it feels like 
Boy, I'm going to piss people off here. Because uh, I, I realize The Simpsons is no longer what it was 25 years ago uh, or 30 years ago when it started. But um, if if Christmas Vacation is an episode of The Simpsons, Vegas Vacation is an episode of Family Guy. How um, dare you I no, it's fine like I no I think like, there like I said there's there's bits and pieces here that I enjoy it's not it's not cohesive like I mean I, well, let me rephrase it is it just it doesn't it doesn't earn its happy ending I get that that's fine um and and I think that's um you know I think consider you've never seen this before and this was kind of the goal of the year of the sequels maybe revisit things or see things we've not seen before I, I'm not saying like this is like hey guys we proved our theory for the year I don't even know what our theory is other than let's watch some sequels and see how they stack up um, and I know we wanted something because we just did a bunch of horror stuff we did a bunch of horror sequels reboots and we just did Dune like I think that you know sometimes it's okay to get like a little bit of fluff but also like it has to kind of exist in the stand on its own and it is it inferior to the other three movies yes um, I just, there's still, there's still the charisma of Chevy chase. The, um, um, uh, Beverly D'Angelo is still great too. She actually plays off, um, of Chevy chase really well. Like they have a good chemistry together. Like I, I enjoy that still. Um, oh, they do. And yeah. I don't think they, <laughs> I came in to interrupt you only for my dog to interrupt you. So I'll yeah. let you finish your thought. No, that's all. No, you're right. So your dog was saying, like, um, yeah. uh, no, I, I, I do think that they have a great chemistry and I think that that's also one of the reasons that I was, uh, uh slightly <laughs> shut up, rusty. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I felt like they didn't get to, uh, interact as much as they could have in this movie. We'll put it that that's way. fair. No, I think um, I think something they really they really missed on that could have been like talking about like escalating and making worse is like the one thing that happened to to Mary and I the first time we were out there was we got put into that stupid timeshare thing because um and, and I'm sure Mary will never listen to this episode but like she always gets frustrated that I bring it up every time we talk about Vegas because it was the day before our wedding and we end up getting looped into a timeshare like, like thing for like a couple hours. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And it was, it was just terrible the entire time. And I was miserable and just like, it was stupid. And what we got out of it was garbage. And I feel like that's something they could have probably tapped into this movie and would have been really entertaining. So. Yeah, that, that yeah. would have been funny. And I think also just, you know, seeing how he would have reacted to that would have been a good way to uh, go with that. I, I think that there's a lot of missed opportunities with this. Yeah. I, I don't want to, again, just sit here and be like, Oh, I, 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 I don't like being the contrarian. I want to talk about things that I love. I hate, you know, if, if this was a podcast that we'd done when I was in my twenties, probably early thirties, I'd love to sit here and just tear into the movie. And I'm not that person anymore. I don't want to, have conversations about things that I didn't enjoy, but like, it's just uh, this, I guess this is my malignant, uh, if you will. Um, you know, uh, I, I was willing to forgive it for a lot of reasons. Whereas, you know, every, every time you came up with something, you're like, yeah, but, and I was like, Okay, I forgave it. I forgave it. I forgave there, it. There's, this, there's I feel a point. Like, is there, the reverse. There's a point where cousin Eddie gets a, one of those yard long drinks that's blue that gets lit on fire, and he's like, "Hmm, better than the red." That made me just again. 
This is me going back to the night of my wedding, going to like the lower levels of the uh, of what was it, the Venetian with uh, former co-host uh, Joe, which we're going to have on soon, giving me a football. It was a clear plastic football full of slush and triple sec. And me just wandering around the lower levels of Venetian, just getting drunk off my ass and being an idiot. So maybe I'm Cousin Eddie. Maybe that's why I um, relate to this so well. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> this this was years ago. Um, oh, boy. It's probably close to 10 years ago now. I don't think it was that long ago. But we'll, we'll say within the last five to 10 years, my wife and I went to... Uh, and I, I don't know the context for this story is going to be important or not, but I should just reference here. My wife and I went to the same college at the same time and did not really meet. Uh, we were then in a wedding together uh, after she had graduated and we we didn't we walked down the aisle together, people, and neither of us remember the other. It's 13 years later before we meet up again and uh, spark a connection. Anyway, we've always talked about the fact that she and I seem to have gone to two different Bowling Greens, which is where we went to college. Well, we went to uh, Bowling Green and visited friends, and we went and hit all these different like places. And one of the places we went to was uh, – it was a newer bar, so it wasn't a place that either of us had a connection with. But they had these fish bowls, and they had – you know, oh, you could choose from uh, cherry – uh, purple and blue, I think, or <laughs> grape and, and blue. And I'm like, is it blueberry flavor? And they're like, no, it's blue. I'm like, blue is not a flavor. <laughs> blue is a color. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that something is blue and you'd be like, oh, so it's the color blue. Does it taste like blueberry? No. Then it's, you've got to come up with some, what does yeah. it taste like? You uh, have to tell me. Which I thought was funny because you said cherry. Uh, blue right. and purple and i'm like wait those two aren't those aren't flavors right um, <laughs> so your blue versus red conversation very much made me think of that where i'm like <laughs> you know i guess it's a college town the kids don't care you know why am i making it a big deal where i'm like no 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 what flavor is blue if you're telling me it's not blueberry what does that mean well i mean if you go by video game logic blue is mana and red is health so i don't know what that tastes like either but i'm just letting you know um so what other brief like, can i give you what other tangent this this is like so also just so people keep in score at home our wayne's world 2 episode went an hour and 22 so steve congratulations we went further not that we have to be going further but we did go a little longer however we did lard it up talking about shit before we got to this movie so <laughs> Uh, no, um, years and years and years ago, but I'm talking like I was real, real, real little, my younger brother and I, like he was, I might've been like five or six. So he would have been like maybe three or four. Um, my mom, we were doing, um, Easter egg coloring. I don't know if I've told you the story before or not. Uh, but you know, those little, t uh, diet, like the little tabs that you put into like, um, the water or the vinegar to make the color to dye the eggs. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So some of them were water. Some of them were vinegar. My, my little brother loved grape Kool-Aid. He loved it. Loved it. So um, we're all sitting there getting ready to, to color our Easter eggs. And all we hear is, ah. we turn around and all the purple is gone. Because my brother grabbed the cup and just drank it because he thought it was grape Kool-Aid. And thankfully, it was one of the water tablets and not vinegar. But we just turned around and he just did the whole like, you know, like he'd already drank it. And, you know, as a little kid, like, like he was satisfied. <laughs> we did not have any purple Easter eggs that year for Easter. 
Oh, that's hilarious. It's kind of like me, except I never learned my lesson. I've told this story about me and the uh, baker's chocolate. Oh, I don't know. Maybe if you have, I forgot about it. So please. All right. So my grandma kept like baker's chocolate in her refrigerator. And every time we go to my grandma's, I'd be like, oh, I want something, you know, chocolatey, whatever. And I'd run to her fridge and then I'd find the baker's chocolate. And I'd be like, and then my grandma, my mom, my sister would try and stop me and be like, that's not real chocolate. I mean, it's real chocolate. But they're like, that's not chocolate chocolate. You're not going to like that. Don't bite into it. And then I'd be like, no, it's chocolate. I love chocolate. Ah!" And then I'd bite into it. And then, like, you know, my face would turn completely sour because baking chocolate does not taste like a Hershey bar, if you will. No, no. And uh, I did this probably, I don't know, five or six times. (laughs) Uh, You know, over the years where I would run in and be like, oh, chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. And and then you know my my mom would just shake her head and be like yeah it's my son he's an idiot <laughs> yeah look at look, look how proud I am look at him yeah. <laughs> so so what were the takeaways for this is Steve did not enjoy um, Vegas vacation that much uh, blue is not a flavor and um, purple is not a flavor and Baker's chocolate um, Steve much like Vegas vacation is going to keep revisiting and be unsatisfied each time right is that what we've taken away from this. Yeah, I mean, look, if people enjoy this movie, that's fine. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I never want to take away from somebody's enjoyment. We'll put it that way. You know, I I actually used to be that guy where like, you like that movie? Oh, let me tell you why it sucks. I never, I don't want to be that guy. Um, and I think some of that was arrogance of youth. Some of it is just um, the fact that I was an asshole. I don't know, but I, I don't want to be that guy anymore. So if you enjoy Vegas Vacation like Paul and you think it's, you know, a breezy, fun watch, please continue to watch it. I will never revisit this film, though. Well, you're going to watch it with me sometime. I know that. So I think part of the reason why you didn't like this movie is because one of the, the writers was Bob Duxay, D-U-C-S-A-Y. He's mainly known as an editor. So I think I know why you didn't like this movie, because he was an editor on The Last Jedi. I think that's why. Uh, yeah, like that. yes, that's like, that's exactly it. Oh, you know what? I, I've gone off like on, I don't know, 12 different tangents tonight. I told you a story about my wife and I that really didn't matter when I was just telling you that the color blue is not a flavor. No, no, no. But, that's fair because I talked about drinking a bunch of blue in a basement versus Cousin Eddie drinking blue and preferring it to red. It all comes together. Give yourself credit, please. Yes, we, we joke a lot about uh, The Last Jedi on here and, uh, you know, the fact that it was a struggle for me to really find uh, to find out. It, it was just as much of a struggle, I guess, as Dune was for me to really suss out how I felt about it. But um, it, so we, we make a lot of jokes about Last Jedi on the show. But uh, I just wanted to point out that uh, all the shitty YouTubers that are out there who <laughs> are constantly predicting the end of Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm and all this. Yeah, uh, it looks like uh, Kathleen Kennedy is going to renew her contract for another three years. So it just goes to show you that uh, if you're watching, you know, whatever shitty YouTuber out there that puts up their, you know, preview image as Kathleen Kennedy with devil's eyes, it just shows you they don't know what the hell they're talking about. And please stop watching the channel. End of rant. So. Yeah, fair enough. So I just wanted to to, to, to to jab a little bit. But also he did. He edited Space Jam, A New, a new Legacy. So... All right. Anyway, uh, so no, but this guy's mainly known for editing. He's actually edited like a number of like like big big movies, you know. So, um, 
But yeah, I just saw that. I'm just like, I gotta mention that. I gotta mention it. I gotta mention it. So I gotta turn the dagger in Steve. A little this bit. This will get him to talk like, about something else. I'd be like, I'd be like, Steve, are you saying um, Vegas Vacation is the last Jedi of the vacation film? I'm kidding. We're not gonna do that. So, all right. Um, I think that's gonna do it. Uh, for the discussion about Vegas vacation, I mean, come on, it's it's Vegas vacation. Like, how far can you take this? Um, I'm not saying it was a laugh a minute for me. I'm just saying that there's bits in here that caught me off guard because I'd, I'd seen this movie years ago, and there's bits in here. Cousin Eddie cracks me up, and then some of the some of the physical comedy with um, with uh, Chevy Chase. Like, there's a bit where he's trying to like put two straws in his mouth. Like, he's he's really good at like that awkward like I don't know how to describe it. Like he he knows what he's doing, but he always makes it come off awkward. I always appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, I think this is an odd series to talk about sequels because it's not your atypical thing, but we talked about that already. I think we had a good conversation about it. Um, I, you know, it's, it's like three or $4 to rent, which I know in Steve's case is probably $4 more than he wants to spend ever again on this film. Um, if you want to watch it, check it out. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think there's worse things you could do on a Sunday morning. Just like, just, the, with the low bar, I think there's I think there's way worse comedy sequels you could watch that will give you nothing versus this. That's what I'll say about that. I mean, I can't think of many. Uh, I guess the first <laughs> one that comes to mind, uh, particularly if we're talking about movies set in Vegas, it, although the sequel is not. Uh, Hangover Two was a movie that uh, I remember watching and just thinking um, this might be the worst comedy sequel I've ever seen. So yeah, I've not seen uh, I've not seen either one of the sequels to that. I thought the first one was okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've not seen the third one, but uh, the second one, um, in my opinion, was it, it certainly fell into that category of trying to do the same things that happened in the first movie, but differently and uh, did them much worse and not nearly as funny as they could have been. So uh, I guess if it, if your choice of Vegas movies, well, technically, again, Hangover 2 is not a does it, it doesn't take place in Vegas, so. Uh, I guess if you, if you're looking for a sequel, that's not as bad as hangover Two, Vegas vacation fits the bill. <laughs> well, that's my say, recommendation. Th- like I'd say, watch, let's say watch Vegas vacation before you watch like, um, the dumb and dumber sequel. That is that movie just, it sucked and I wanted it to be better. I, okay. I guess we're going to fight again and we're trying to end the show here, but I, I it, granted I didn't see it in the theater, watch it on whatever streaming service yeah, it was, did it was I. on. And I was like, yeah, it's perfectly okay. I, oh, okay. I don't so there you of, go. There you go. I, I don't think of, uh, I don't think of the first Dumb and Dumber as being some sort of high mark for comedy. I had laughs during. I guess I guess Dumb and Dumber Two is my Vegas vacation. Then we'll put it that I, way. I, I did not that like that movie. There's only one joke in there I liked. It's whenever the one person was giving like the 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 speech, like the TED talk. And um, what was it? Jim Carrey was like, show us your boobs. And then Jeff Dale's like, yeah, both of them. That's the only thing I laughed at in there. Um, I didn't think that movie was great. And then all, another sequel that's absolute garbage. Um, oh, shit. I had a, already on top of my mind. And I forgot about it. The comedy sequels, whatever. Like hit or miss. Not great. So, um, yeah, you can watch uh, watch Vegas Vacation. And then I guess Steve likes uh, Dumb and Dumber 2. So. Like, uh, I'm not wearing, you know, like <laughs> yeah, I'm not wearing it on my sleeve. I'm like, you know what movie's amazing? Oh, Dumb Zoolander 2. Zoolander 2 is garbage. And that wasn't. Okay, I've yeah. never seen the first one, so I didn't bother with the, the second. The first one's fun. 
Um, but the second one is just bad. It's just bad. I don't know. Anyway, so there we go. Um, yeah, let's go do a far discussion about uh, Vegas Vacation and a year of the sequel. You guys can find us on Facebook and Invasion of the Podcast. You can email us directly at invadingpodcastgmail.com. We do have a blog that is covered in a thick layer of dust. I think the last thing there I wrote about was Grizzly Tooth. So if you want to read about sequels that I did not like, um, you can go there. It's invasionofthepodcast.com. We have other things up there as well. Um, yeah, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. It'd be greatly, greatly appreciated. And Steve, how can people find you? You can find me on the Saturday Night Slasher.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under the Saturday Night Slasher. And uh, we're still on vacation because my move has been never ending and my house is uh, never going to be unpacked is the way it feels now. But uh, yes, you can go to the Art of the Slash if you want to try and buy a physical copy of a comic. Um, and the last thing that I'll say here is, is that if there is a comedy sequel that you feel is as good or better than the original, please let us know one that we did not mention. I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah. So I'm going to pimp you, uh, out cause you are going to go on talk without rhythm for the next episode of, of, uh, talk without rhythm for noir Vember. You're going to be looking at two films, uh, kiss me deadly from 55 and touch of evil from 58. I cannot wait to hear that conversation. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. People will check that out. That's probably going to come out on Sunday coming up. I'm sure we'll post on the Facebook page, but I cannot wait. Um, Steve, you're leaving the nest. Like you've, you've been on other podcasts without me. I like, thankfully so, because all I do is just talk yeah, and talk and talk is, and talk and talk. I get it. Yeah. This is, this is uh talk about rhythm though. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, I gotta, I gotta up my game. I gotta, I got to start working out or something. It's just like there, there was an episode of um, the Gary Shandling show. This will tell you like, they, like Gary, the kids will know that we're not uh, even going to Larry Sanders. You're going no, to no, the, the Gary, Gary Shandling show. show there was which lasted like, I don't know, two seasons, something like that. But there was a bit yeah. where they did like a, like a cutaway to his mind. Cause he was trying to like talk about how he still is like, you know, he, he would take like a driving test and failed. And you saw like this, like his brain was like a guy just sitting on like a beanbag chair, eating food and like watching TV and like laughing, like just that kind of, <laughs> and then later on they cut to him after he was like getting ready to take his driving test. And it was like almost the same looking guy, but like ripped doing like the pommel horse, <laughs> like he's showing like his mental prep, you know, preparedness. That's how I always feel like, you know, our show is just us sitting in a beanbag chair, just, you know, hoping for the best. But talk without rhythm is always like shit. I gotta do something, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will get, say, I gotta also, get my brain uh, abs up, you know, because I feel like I feel like our show is a smooth brain show, but I feel like his show is a very very wrinkly brain show. <laughs> <laughs> We're lowest common denominator oh, for here. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I, uh, I imagine that uh, if I do start to flounder, uh, El Goro will at least lift me up and get me back on topic. His very uh, muscly, muscly arms. <laughs> It'll be amazing. So I cannot wait to listen to that. Next week for us, speaking of smooth brightness, <laughs> we're going to be doing our, um, like, it's going to be our Thanksgiving episode, but it's going to be a Black Friday episode. Uh, and this is something we've been talking about for quite a while. We're going to be getting into the film Chopping Mall. Again, high art, high cinema. We, we're going to, from Dune to Vegas Vacation to Chopping Mall. Uh, you know, that's what we do. Um, it's from the 80s. It's available to watch. Like, it's free to check out a couple different streaming services. It's going to be a lot of fun, but we're going to be bringing back a bit that we've had the past couple of years where we do some Black Friday. Sorry, not bit. Important consumer information. We're going to be getting some Black Friday deals. We're going to have a guest on the show, uh, Richard, who's been on previously to help me co-host and has been on with Steve. Uh, this is like he called a shot a long time ago. He's like, well, you shopping mall have me on. So we're going to do that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to get to that. It's going to be a good time. 
Yeah, I, I look forward to talking about Chopping Mall and why it has the best head explosion of any movie that you're ever going to see. So uh, fight me on that, people. But uh, <laughs> uh, that should be fun, and uh, we'll see you next time. And just remember, people, as long as there's cookies, it's okay. Give.